0: Good evening, LCM. Tonight is February 9th, and the title of tonight's message is Certain AF. We are so excited to share tonight, if you can't tell already. We are excited, mainly because we're certain. We're certain about what our way of life will produce when we are faithful to it. We're certain about it. Why are we certain? Because the Lord has made us certain. We can see through supernatural leadings in the Middle East and in Eastern Europe. We can see through supernatural healings that have taken place, but more than any of the outward signs that one might look for, we see a, super, a supernatural way of life that is planted here with us and is taking root and is bearing much fruit. So we're certain. We're certain about what this way of life produces. In a world where things are constantly changing, prices rising and falling, government leaders flip-flopping like pancakes at IHOP, and even the Texas weather being very unreliable, we have a few things that are just as certain as the sun itself. As a matter of fact, turn with us to Psalm 19, picking up in verse one. Oh, as We're going to be in the
1: ESV for most of the night. As you guys are turning, there say "certain af." A-F. <laughs> Psalm 19, verse one says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Church, there are a few things that are as certain as God's creation. Our world is literally revolving around his faithfulness and his handiwork but come on man you guys are biblical scholars we know that it did not start that way in the beginning contrary to unpopular belief it didn't just happen with a big bang or a snap of the finger right no, no big bang
0: see our our human nature wants things to happen things to happen with a big bang now. Yeah. oh I'm, I'm really passionate <laughs> growth No, that's
1: not how God did it, and it's not how we're going to do it. In fact, our goal tonight is that we might glean from a process that has been all the way back as proven in Genesis, and to make our works as certain as God's work is. Amen? So, you guys go to Genesis 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. All right. So
0: you guys know, you guys know this story. You, you, you've, you've engaged with Genesis 1. You know what God did. His spirit hovered over the waters that were chaos, that were to, tohu vavohu, and then magically they just, they began to, to change, right? No. No, that's not what happened. His spirit was indeed hovering over chaos, hovering over waters that were tohu vavohu. But what happened? He entered into the midst of that darkness, and he applied force and brought forth life. Say applied force. Applied force. That's going to be something you want to write down in your notes. Applied force is what God did to bring about order in his creation. He then entrusted man, the man that he created, with a task. And that task was to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, and to have dominion over all
1: creation. Okay, so we know this. Say, I know this. I know this. Take this imagery from Genesis 1 and let's fast forward about 1500 B.C. in history to the nation of Israel. Their life in Egypt was darkness, bondage, tohu vavohu. Then God inserted himself into the midst of that darkness and applied force on Pharaoh, the gods of Egypt, the elements, and he brought them out of there. Then he entrusted his people with his word, and he tasked them to go into the promised land and essentially do the exact same thing that he commissioned Adam to do. To be fruitful, to multiply God's image, to have dominion over their enemies. So we we started
0: with creation. God entering into it and applying force. Then we move forward to what he does through his nation Israel. He entered into the situation. He entered into the conflict. Determined to win, and he applied force and brought them out and tasked them to do the same thing. Now, what does that mean for us today? Our lives before Jesus were tohu vavohu. Vo- yes. A barren and howling waste. And if we're being honest, there are still some areas that are tohu vavohu, chaos. But guess what's going to happen? We're called to enter into the darkness, enter in the darkness of our own lives, enter into the darkness of the world and to apply force to make it be what God said it would be. He has entrusted us with his word and given us the commission to set out, bringing this way of life to the nations because that is what they need. They need people just like God who will enter into all kinds and all manners of chaos, but go and forcefully apply the word of God and bring order and shalom into that situation wherever we are on the planet.
1: Let's turn to Deuteronomy 30. As you're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 30, say certain AF. So just to give you guys a little background in Deuteronomy 30, they are standing right there at the promised land. They're getting ready to go in. Insert yourself into the story and imagine you're the one standing there. You have been commissioned by God. He has rescued you from Egypt. Your life was tohu vavohu. He has transformed you. He has given you his word. He has commissioned you to go and take the land. So in Deuteronomy 30, let's pick up in verse 11. It says, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. You guys know why I paused? It was intentional. Raise your hands if you heard this before. Deuteronomy 30 verse 11. Most of us, right? But is anybody really thinking about what Moses is saying here? If you're hearing this for the first time, what are your thoughts? What are, what are Abin Six, Bola's thoughts? 613 commands. Um, Did somebody write that down? 613 commands. Easy, right? Not difficult. All the dietary customs, what to eat, what not to eat. Easy, not difficult. All the festivals, the feast you know, the Sabbaths. Easy not difficult. And yet, Moses says in Deuteronomy 30, 11, what I'm commanding you today is not difficult. Let's engage with that. Jesus says in Matthew 11, in verse 30, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The apostle John in 1 John 5, 3 says, and his commandments are not burdensome, the ESV says. In the NET, he says, his commandments do not Weigh us down. Oh, that's a good word. If we're really engaging with this, Moses is saying, hey, it is not difficult what I'm commanding you. And there's a reason he's saying this. Our circumstances, our situations that we find ourselves in may be difficult. But putting God's word and his commandments into practice, that's not difficult at all. Amen. They are, in fact, the answer to the problem. Yeah. Now, the thing is. listen. the thing is. Lenten, the thing is- <laughs> It doesn't just happen that way. When Moses says in Deuteronomy 30:11, 11, what I'm commanding is not difficult. You're like, yes, that's awesome. Yeah, that's not how it happens. Big bang. Something needs to take place as a result of hearing the revelation and then making it a reality into our lives. We actually say actually. Actually, we're going to have to apply force. What? Apply force. Apply
0: force. Apply force. Was Jesus lying when he said his yoke was easy and his burden was light? No. Was Moses lying when he said, this is not difficult for you? No, No, he wasn't lying. But the fact does remain that in order for this to become a reality, they actually had to apply force. They actually had to go and begin to enact what he said. And as you enact what he said, you find that you're able to do it. See, what takes us out of the game from the jump, you know, we, we beat ourselves in our mind, is when before you even begin to act on what God said, oh man, this is so difficult. Like before I tried it, or I just pushed a little bit with one finger. That's a good word. On. But uh, it's, it's too difficult. No, it's not. If it is, then he's a liar and he's not a liar. Yeah, right. But when we begin to apply force with what God has said, with what he has given us, he is supernaturally moving through us. To accomplish what he said it would in that way it's not difficult in fact in Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 it says no the word is very near you it is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it LCM you know this to be true and we're not taking you through the journey of the blatantly well-known no you know this to be true and you know the reality of having to wrestle to make it a reality you know that right you have all been well taught, and this truth needs to become an ever increasing reality in our lives by continuing to meditate and think about it. Amen. No, gotcha. Nope. <laughs> I did it to myself, I did it to me. No, he would have got me too, Dave. I'm just being it honest. continues as we increase with our experience with the revelation. As we do it, the revelation increases. That wait, no, what God said. Is actually not too difficult. Actually, I can do it, but it requires that we apply some force. So turn with us to
1: Deuteronomy 33, and Abba is gonna take us away. Yeah. So in Deuteronomy 30, we're gonna see a pattern. Somebody said, I wanna see the pattern. I wanna see the pattern. Look at Deuteronomy 33, pick it up in verse 8. It says this About Levi, he said, Yathumim and Urim belong to the man you favored. You tested him at Massa. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. Man, this is good. LCM, the Levitical priesthood watched and guarded the word of God because it wasn't idle to them. They understood it was their very Life, And what honestly made them effective ministers to the rest of the nation of Israel was their ongoing practice of soul submission to God's word. Say soul submission. submission. This soul submission is a key to effective ministry. In other words, how well do you apply force to submit your soul to the word? Letting the word tell you what to think. Letting the word tell you what to feel. Letting the word direct your very actions. Because when we are actually practicing, applying force, soul submission to God's word, this is how we are watching over our very souls. Say, I want to win.
0: See, what Bim is talking about is not a quiet soul submission as you drink your coffee in the morning with your uh, instrumental playlist playing. For the men who've actually wrestled, like, Gabe Stevens, I've heard, is a one heck of a wrestler. Yes. Like, dangerous. What is it like when another grown man, when another grown man is trying to submit you and make you go where you don't want to go? Yeah. He's trying to submit you, but you are saying, no, I'm not, I'm going to make you submit. I'm not going to submit. What Bim is talking about is not a, a quiet morning meditation. But we're talking about a forceful wrestling with the soul that says, no, I get how you feel. I get what you think. All of it's a lie. This is what the word of God says. And I will wrestle. I will submit my feelings and my emotions and and bring them where I want them to go. This is the kind of soul submission that actually causes us to watch over our souls diligently.
1: Yeah. As we're engaging with this, every man of God knows that receiving a revelation is not the same as living it out we can oh, receive revelation house. but it's completely different to experience that revelation and to walk it out. So you know what our faithful father did for me this morning? He gave me an experience in this revelation. Oh,
0: come on. Share it with
1: us. So this morning, my wife comes up to me, my beautiful wife. By the way, we're expecting and we're very excited about that. Come on, Shifra. Baby girl's doing March. But back to the story. My wife this morning, she came up to me, she was like, "Sweetheart, I'm feeling lightheaded." So much so that I cannot see outside of my right eye. I have no vision in my right eye. Any husbands in the room? How do you feel in that moment? Concerned. And you should be. She's lightheaded. This is not make-believe. She actually cannot see out of one of her eyes. What do I do? What do I think? What do I feel? What action should I take? Soul submission looks like, Father... What are your thoughts in this moment? Father, what are your feelings about this? Lord, what would you want me to do here and now? Applying force to submit my soul in that moment. Because I could think many things. I can feel many things. I can do many actions in that moment. But Father, knowing your character, knowing that it is you who is aware of this situation, I trust your ability to direct me even here and now. You know what he did for me? He directed me. Come on. In the moment, he brought Psalm 73 to mind, and I shared it with my wife. Whom do I have in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. And the NET says, my health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart, and he is mine oh, forever. On. So I said, sweetheart, your strength will not fail. In fact, let's pray for healing here and now. Jessica, can you see me? She can see me. Yeah. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to apply force and so submit to God's word. We're capable men of God in this room. We can do whatever we put our minds to. But what makes us men of God in the kingdom, in, 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 uh, in p- what is pleasing to the Father, is to submit our souls even when we could do something else. Lord, Tell me what to think according to your word. Tell me what you f- to feel according to your word. Direct my steps right now according to the word. That's what made the Levitical priesthood so effective. And it's what, it, what, it, what, it's what caused them to minister to other people because they practiced. It was a habitual habit for them to apply force of submitting their soul to God's word. Come on, ladies. get it. Can we get an amen, ladies? Amen. You may feel
0: any manner of weight on any given situation about any topic. But what is holy and masculine and like feminine, like Sarah, is to submit your soul to the word of God, which directs you to submit to your husband. And therefore, no matter what happens, you're in right alignment with God and right alignment with man. See, we have we have forceful women in LCM. We have forceful women because what do they do, Lou? They submit their souls to the word of God and to their husbands. This is how. We keep our souls diligently by applying force to submit to the word. The more we practice soul submission to his word, the more we want to do it. The more you do it, the more you want to do it. Because you know what? You continually find success. Like the laborer's hunger that drives him on. There is a fire that is kindled and burns inside of us. We cannot, but it cannot stay with us. The fire that God is is producing and causing to, to, Fanning the flame in you is not just for you. Yep. That can't stay with you. You have to impress it on your children. Yeah. You have to teach them the lesson of soul submission so that it can be carried forward into the next generation. So that no matter what land, no matter what language they go into, and no matter what they feel along the way, they know, no, this does not control me. This does not direct me. My God is directing me, and he is carrying me forward in supernatural strength. Amen. Turn with us to First Chronicles 28, starting in verse 9 and 10. This is in the net. I say the swish. And you, Solomon, my son, obey the God of your father and serve him with the submissive attitude and a willing spirit. For the Lord examines all minds and understands every motive of one's thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you abandon him, he will reject you permanently. Realize now that the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do it. David was a man who watched over his very own soul, and he practiced soul submission to the Lord. And we're so thankful for him and what he shares with us in the Psalms. Notice here that as the kingship and the kingdom of Israel is being transitioned to Solomon, he could be worried about a great many things. He can be focused on so much about securing the borders, about securing provisions. But what is he spending his last waking moments focusing on? He's pointing to his son specifically, he's making sure that his son has the heart to serve the Lord always. He is charging his son to serve the Lord always, to seek the Lord always, and encouraging and prophetically speaking to his son saying, hey, you're going to come to situations where God is going to do even more for you. You're going to seek him, and you're going to find him even more than you've seen me do it. This is what David did, and it's what we must do. And all these things that he did, the thing that he cared most about in this moment was the state of his son. Now, think through the book of Proverbs. Think about the times when you read Proverbs when, when Solomon, who was writing it, says, when I was a boy, my father said. Yeah. Do you think that charge that, that David gave Solomon just started there? Do you think that no. he looked and was like, okay, well, the kingship obviously about to pass, so let me hurry up and just like, let me hurry up and encourage my son. No, David had been modeling this. For Solomon from a boy and not just modeling with he had Solomon with them. Solomon saw what his father David did. He was David was making these things known to Solomon by allowing Solomon to participate in his way of life by bringing him along with them by watching how he dealt justly and equitably with the people. That is how we make these things known to our children. David applied force in pressing the revelation upon Solomon by allowing him to participate, and that is what you must do. You must apply force. It's not just going to happen. We're not just going to wake up and they're going to have downloaded into them everything that we want them to. No, we have to make time for it. We have to make space for it. We have to sacrifice, and although that trip may be faster if you do it by yourself, if you don't get them out of the car seat, what might they see if we take them along with us and allow them to participate, to lay hands on our wives, to pray, to pray for that person and, and watch them do it? What might they learn in that scenario?
1: This is incredible, and this is what the Lord is building here in LCM. A lot of us have children. Praise the Lord. A lot of children. From infants to whatever Raise your hand if you're into whatever stage. If you listen, <laughs> if, you, if you think about what's happening here with David and Solomon, I think it's, it's extraordinary that in First Chronicles 28, David has given him this charge. He's a good father. But I love what Linton said in the Proverbs. When you read it, Solomon is recounting what his father said to him when he was a kid. I just locked eyes with Adam Cora. He has three boys and another one on the way. Yeah. He is a faithful father, and I've seen this time and time and time again. You know, honestly, further down our notes, I have some people I want to call out, but I'm just going to do it now. I've seen Adam raise his family, apply force, allow his sons to participate in this kingdom way of life, so much so that one time Samson, while we were working out, was asking Linton and I and said, uh, can you guys tell me what is the most impactful, moving experience you've ever had with the Lord and share scripture with me? Adam, how old is Samson? Eight. He's eight. Think about him homework. like a Solomon. At that age, that was, that's what his father's pouring into him. That's what his father's transmitting into him, making known to him. This is what the Lord is doing at LCM, and we have already been taught this way of life. For a, lot of you got, for, for a lot of the parents in the room, right before worship starts, we're all praying at the altar, and our kids are with us. Now, do they always know, Carlos, what's going on in the moment? Absolutely not. But we're allowing them to participate in this kingdom way of life, and we're sowing seeds and we're planting seeds, and God will bless it. You don't think David struggled with, like, I don't think Solomon's listening today. Like, he just wants to go play with his friends. But then Solomon writes later, Hey, son, let me tell you what my father told me when I was a boy. LCM, I want to encourage you. You have to apply force, it takes time, but God will bless it. Say that. God will bless it. God will bless it. I've seen this in my own life with my daughter. We're driving to a restaurant, driving to church, and we're in the midst of a conversation, and we start hearing somebody singing in the, ba- in the back of the car, and it's Alisha Vaughn. And she's singing worship songs. How did she learn that? Does she know all the—does she understand the, the, the impact of the word? No. But seeds are being planted in her, and it's coming out of her, and it's encouraging us as parents to continue, allow her to participate. That's why a lot of fathers bring their sons or their daughters up here when they open service, close service, pray for the kids. The kids, are, they're there, but the Lord is allowing us to transmit the kingdom way of life to them. Reading the word with them, praying with them before going to bed. Things like that, you are sowing into the spiritual reality, and you are going to reap the dividends and the fruit of it. Yeah. It's certain. It is absolutely certain that if we continue to apply force, continue to bring them into this, God is going to bless it. And it is what the nations need. John 15 in the ESV. Fifteen,
0: fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Uh, This is Jesus speaking to his friends and his spiritual sons, I mean, to be honest. He says that he's made everything known to them that his father has said to him. Everything that the father said to Jesus, he is making known to his disciples. He impressed it upon them and transmitted the revelation to them by being an example for them. And you've heard this ad nauseum over the last few weeks because it's just the truth. And it doesn't stop being the truth because we hear it. No as we apply force in the forcing these things, you will certainly reap the harvest. He made opportunities for them. He traveled along the road with them. He called them to his side. He gave them the authority to go out by themselves, not with him. He gave them the authority, hey, you two, go out, and you're going you're gonna to cast out demons. You're going to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom. This is how we make these things known to our children. We cause them to participate in the promises of God. And then, as they grow older, we remind them of what they've been participating in already. Hey, Thomas, you've already been doing this. Thomas, you already know the way. You've already been walking in this way, Thomas. Go out into India and do the very same thing that I've shown you. This is what we do with our children. We cause them. We apply force. We forcefully bring them along and allow them to participate in what God is doing in our lives in both the, the fun things, the, the, the mission trips, and the difficult things. When we are struggling, when we are failing, hey, son, we're we, we, we doing a little bad on finances right now. Let's pray and watch God deliver us. Hey, mama's sick. Let's pray and watch God heal mama. That's something that they draw on when they grow into men and they get in that same situation. This is how
1: we make these things known to our generations. Amen. Elson, this is what we're doing. You guys ever wonder how Joshua just shows up on the scene in Exodus 17 and he's just kicking butt? Like he just appears out of nowhere. You go from Exodus 16 and then Exodus 17, he's just destroying everybody. Big bang. Where did he come from? You keep reading in the law, you find out that he's been, he's been Moses' aide since his youth. He wasn't made in a vacuum. Moses was allowing him to participate with him in the kingdom way of life, and he built him up. And what did Joshua do when he went into the promised land? He destroyed everybody. This is what we're raising up, LCM. Amen. This is what the Lord is doing in this body. When I, it, when I look at a man like Paul Rosales and I, and I listen to his boys playing worship music, and I don't mean like they, they hit Spotify and it's playing through the stereo. I mean, they're worshiping with guitars. They're playing drums. Where did they learn that from? They've been participating in this way of life, the experience with their father, and it's now getting on them. We are going to take the nations. This is, this is not difficult at all. His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His commandments do not weigh us down whatsoever. I want to encourage you else in Galatians 6, 9. Do not get worried in doing what is good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. It is a certainty that is going to happen. I'm looking at the re- rate of household. I'm looking at your children. I'm looking at your girls. I'm looking at your, your boy. It is a certainty. That is a spiritual reality. It is a title deed that we have. I had lunch with Ibrahim and his family today. You know what Yara was telling me? She was quoting scriptures to me. Where did she learn that from? Her father, who is allowing her to participate in his way of life and is get it on her. And what is she going to be in the future? You can forecast it. LCM, we are winning. We are absolutely winning. We make them known to our children by applying force, making opportunities for them to participate with us in the promises of God. We know that, but we also know that it does not stop with our children. Say it doesn't, it doesn't stop with my kids. It has to radiate out of our life from one life to one family and then outside of our family to the nations. In fact, Isaiah 52 verse 7 talks about how beautiful are the mountains and the feet of those who bring good news. Right? You guys love that passage? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But let's see an example of that in the Newer Testament. Let's go to John 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 46. It says this. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Okay, you've heard this before, I've heard this before, but it's definitely worth taking a page Out of Philip's evangelism strategy, he's not concerned about proving a point to Nathaniel. He's not even trying to convince Nathaniel. He's not in an argument with him. He simply said, come and see. El Sim, this is a bold, forceful invitation from Philip to Nathaniel. A bold invitation into the way of life of the kingdom. See, we have to look at the people all around us that the Lord cares for outside of these four walls and openly invite them to come and have the same experience that we have had in the Lord. Yeah. It has to be forceful. We have to do this because when I, when I think about my life, right, where's, where's Treester? Right there. Treester. how many people did you invite to LCM before I showed up? A lot. A lot. We don't even know what the number is, but a ton. But Teresa continued to be bold, continued to invite, continued to put himself out there, and here I am. My life completely changed. Where would we be without an Ubong, without Tom? Tom, how many people did you invite? Too many to count. I don't even know. But we look at Ubong and, and we can't even imagine our body without him. See, there are many Ubongs. There, there are many, we need more. so many People that God wants to bring to be a part of this body, to be a part of the one association. But it's not for us to argue with them. It's not for us to prove a point to them. We need to look at what Philip did. Hey, come and see and experience. Come into my house. Come to home group. Come to the church. Come and see for yourself and experience this way of life in the kingdom. Say this with me. Say, I'm going to stop.
0: I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop, Pastor Wade. I'm going to stop trying to convince people. Most of try to try to barter with people about, well, this is our way of life, and this is what we do, and you can see this and see that. No. Look at my life. Well, I'm not inviting them to me. We're not inviting them to come see us. We're inviting them to the Lord. And he changes them. And they decide whether or not they're a worthy person. Jesus said when you go into a town, find a worthy person and reside there with them and preach the gospel. You let them decide whether or not they're worthy. But I know that when I came here, Jesus changed my life. Yeah. I know that I didn't come just to practices. I came to the way, and that's the difference. We're not. This is not. We're not talking about an LCM way. No, we're saying LCM has found the way, yeah. and we invite you to the way that your life might be changed. Do you want that? Yeah. That I know you do. I'm talking about them. We talking about them right <laughs> now. This is how. They want to. This is to. how we no longer barter. We no longer try to convince. We say, hey, come and see. If you're you're really inquisitive, come and see and watch what the Lord does with obedience. This is how we gather people to the Lord by applying force in bold invitation to this way. To the way, like we talked about in Foundations. Turn with us to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19.33. As you are seeing people come to the Lord, like we've seen. As you are seeing people be transformed by the Lord, there is something that's still required by you and by us. Leviticus 19.33, also in the NET. When a foreigner resides with you in your own land, you must not oppress him. The foreigner who resides with you must be to you like a native citizen among you. So you must love him as yourself because you too were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, I love how the scripture teaches us about the heart of God. And that right, Jaron? What we read in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it teaches us about God's character. And he is saying, even this foreigner that is not called my people, when he comes among you to be among you, you are to, you are to love him. You are to not oppress him. You are to treat him as a native born, and you are to love him as yourself. If that's the case for the foreigner, how much more? Those who have become the family of God among you. First, it says you should not oppress him. It's more oppressive to hold back the good that God has for somebody than even to wrong them. It's more oppressive for you to hold back what you know you have for them, even more than, well, I tripped them or "I, I shorted them on gas money or something like that. But that's not who you are. See, you are people who give sacrificially everything that god gives you and more than just what, what he gives you you fight to get what they need you fight to get what your brother needs and this is what is needed to teach them
1: i'm just so gonna that pause, children may know I'm just pause for a second i'm thinking about philip's interaction with the ethiopian and the man was on his way back home and he's reading the book of isaiah where would he be without philip interacting with him I, 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 I'm, I'm engaging with this and my brother's preaching. I'm thinking about those who are lost, like completely lost and need to find Jesus, right? And the Lord's using us to get to them. What about those who are just sheep without a shepherd, yeah. but they're out there? Here's a man engaging with the word, or at least trying to engage with the word, and he doesn't fully understand, and he needs somebody like a Philip to come into his life and to, and to do for him what he needs for him to be transformed. I, can, I feel the spirit on me to encourage the body. There are so many people out there who are actually trying to get this right. And the Lord is allowing them to cross your path. And he's saying, engage them. Care for them. Forget your coffee and your food. Engage those people because they need what you have. Yeah.
0: LCM, you have been trained in the building up of the body. You have been trained. If not now, when? Like if, if, if you don't have enough now, then when will you ever The answer to that question is you have enough now. So the the time is now. You've been trained in the way of building up the body. Therefore, you do not withhold anything from your brothers. You do not withhold anything from anybody that the Lord brings across your path. You love them and their seed as you love yourselves. In this way, those that the Father puts in front of us, we give everything to make sure they are equipped. We continually... We continually apply force by loving them as we love ourselves and exerting ourselves for their future. Exerting ourselves for the future of their generations. That is, how we t- that is how we teach them. Turn with us to John 21.
1: Certain AF when you get to John chapter 21. I, lo- I love Chris Riosora, man. Pick it up in verse 15. And the ESV says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, we're going
0: to engage with the scripture for a little bit. Let's, let's, let's put ourselves in this scripture. Make yourself Peter. You know what Peter did. You know times where you've denied the Lord in one way or another. So it's not hard for us to to put ourselves in that spot. It shouldn't be. Jesus was your friend. He's your rabbi. He's the one that chose you when in the world's eyes you were not fit for this task. And even when you failed, even when you made mistakes, even when you outright blew it, he redeemed you. That is who you are. I'm not talking to Peter anymore. That's who you are. That's who I am. And he is asking now. Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And you know Peter, Peter's answer. And you know he meant it because you know what his life went on to produce. Yeah. Everything that Peter did, at the core of it, if you, if you look at this scripture and apply this scripture and transpose it over his life, whatever he did when he was ministering to the churches, when he was ministering to Cornelius, to Cornelius it came from his love For Jesus. It came from his passion for the Lord. He said, If you love me, you will feed my sheep. So, Lord, I feed your sheep because I love you. This is how we burn with the heart of heaven. We cogitate, we meditate, we 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 dig in on our love for Jesus. We go back to it. We go back to our first love. Wives, go back to your first love before you even met your husband. You had a you had a you had a a fiery love for Jesus. I tell Lou that all the time. Lou, before you met me, you had a passionate love for the Lord. And it's not my job to douse that. It's my job to cause that to, to, to fan in the flame and to burn brighter. When we do that, nothing is impossible. When we do that, we're not concerned and worried about our own, our own uh, day, our own schedule, our own this, our own that. No. The only reason I'm here is because of Jesus. The center of everything we must do must be laid upon the foundation of our recognition, of our connection to him, our love for him that drives us to passionate obedience to his commands. In verse 19, it says, this he said to show what kind of death that he was to glorify God, Peter. And he said, after this, follow me. See, Peter showed that he didn't care about this or that. He showed that, no, Lord, I love you. And because I love you, I will do Whatever you say. How we burn with that fire from heaven, just like you, you do Abigail's with your wife and you do love languages to, to reignite that flame, to, to renew your covenant. Why don't we do the same with Jesus? Why am I even here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Lord, it's because of you. Come on. It's because of what you did. Yeah. It's because, because of what you did then and what you were doing now. Lord, I love you. Yeah. And nothing is too hard for me to do. Nothing is, nothing is too difficult because, Lord, I love you. That will cause us to burn with the same intensity, with the same passion, and with the same priorities that he has. Amen. This is how we burn to the
1: very heart of heaven. As we're working our way to a close, Elsie, you have been taught this way of life. We're 20-something years as a church the lord has invested in this body again and again and again we have been taught so much so that i want to put this up on the screen it's second thessalonians chapter two we're going to pick up in verse 15 in the net as i read this pretend like you've never heard it before it says therefore brothers and sisters Stand firm and hold on to the traditions that we taught you, whether by speech or by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Elson, that is the word for you tonight. You have what you need. You have what your family needs, husbands. Family of God, you have what the nations need. And the word's encouraging us to stand firm and to hold on to those traditions. Just like the Levites who practice soul submission to God's word. You have what you need. This entire sermon, we've been working at something. And we are saying it over and over and over again. And our our title, Certain AF, is not just some prerogative uh, title. We're doing this for a reason. So let's put up this slide before we close. You guys remember this from Sunday, right? The five steps of the Bowman. Keep your soul diligently. Well, how do we do that? We have to apply force in soul submission to God's word. Our thoughts our emotions, our feelings, our actions, applying force to God's word. We have to make them known to our children and their children's children because it doesn't just stop with us. And we do that by applying force and allowing them to participate in your experiences. That's how we do that. Then outside and after we've gotten our family right, we go to gather the people to the Lord. I love what Linton said, not to ourselves, but to this kingdom way of life. And we do that by applying force, by being bold enough to invite them into this kingdom way of life. That they might teach their children. So, this is how we're going to win the nations. By applying force and loving them as you love yourself and exerting yourself for their future. Isn't that what Moses did for Aaron's sons? Yeah. This is the family line of Moses and Aaron and only less Aaron's sons. Why? Moses exerted himself, gave himself, he loved those, those, those sons. He was invested in their future. And lastly, you came near and stood at the foot of heaven while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven. And how do we do that? Apply we apply force. We fan into flame your passion, your zeal. For the Lord. This is how we do this. And LCM, it's not difficult. His word is near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so that you can do it. Church, everything that's on this list,
0: everything that we've talked about tonight, is not anything new. And it's not anything that we haven't been taught. And it's not anything that you aren't doing. What we're saying is it's a certainty. It is an absolute certainty, as sure as the sun is going to rise, that what this way of life produces, it will come through us. Like, you will see the fruits of your labor. But well, we got to apply force. James 5 talks about a, a patient farmer who waits for the harvest with certainty an expectancy that he's going to receive a crop. But you know what? That, that, that farmer isn't just watching. He isn't just looking at the ground. No, you know that he's been putting in the work. He's been applying force. He's been tilling the soil. And so he has an expectancy that he's going to produce 30, 60, 90, and 100 fold. LCM, as we apply force, as you apply force in these areas, short time along, it's going to produce exactly what God says. So stand up on the inside and the outside stand up stand up with a boldness and a confidence of what God has already been doing and refuse to be pushed around. Don't even be pushed around by yourself. What does God's word say? That is what we will do. 1st Chronicles 12:22 for our closing scripture. Day after day men came to help David until he had a great army like the army of God. LCM You are the army of God. And day after day after day, as you apply force, you are adding to his army. You are building onto his army. So, how we want to close and what we want to do is in the most victorious, in the most forceful and jubilant way that we can go out and worship. And I'm I'm setting you up here, Peyton. We're going to apply force. We're gonna worship the king. And when you go out tomorrow, you're gonna apply force. Not with something new, but with what you've already been given. And we're gonna see the kingdom seed break out in this nation.
1: Raise your hands with me. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this body. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 55 that not a single word that has gone forth will ever return back to your void. And, Father, your word over this body, Father, it is producing fruit. Lord, it is causing us, Lord God, to be transformed, our families to be transformed. Lord, it is causing our neighbors to our left and our right to be transformed. Lord, you are teaching us how to take what we've been given and to apply force in every area. And, Lord, we know that our labor is not in vain. Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you empower us, mighty God? Lord, would you let our zeal be fed to the